comes to you from the ancestral home of wine. This was recorded very near to the city of Athens with a winemaker who produces traditional grape varieties and then makes wine in a very modern way. Vasilis Papaniakos, at the age of 16, the third generation in his family of winemakers, at the age of 16 convinced his father to make a non-resonated wine. And this was at a time when the Athens market only demanded Ritzina. But Vasilis had a vision for a wine, a non-resonated wine, a premium wine, and ever since, he's had a laser focus on producing those sorts of wines. And so what he does, and this is the cool part, is that he focuses on single varietal wines. So each of his wines only has one variety of grape, and the reason he does that is because he wants those wines to express what that land will do. And in his case, in the case of Vasilis and in the case of the Attica region where he grows his grapes near Athens, they really do have to express the local climate and the local conditions because there's no irrigation being provided because the climate is very specific. It's, it's hot um, but it has a Mediterranean impact of the winds and breezes from the sea. You're going to hear all about that from Vasilis. This is pretty cool stuff. Vasilis is going to tell you about how he's trying to find treasure in the grapes he grows and the wines he produces. By using technology such as cooler fermentations and a little bit of skin contact, he believes he can tease out the essence of these wines. There's something that really touches your soul about listening to a winemaker like Vasilis, talking about his family, talking about the challenges of being a farmer, talking about his winemaking. You can absolutely feel the love that goes into what he does. I'm sitting with Vasilis Papayanakos in the Papayanakos winery. We're in the Attica region, just on the outskirts of Athens. This is a, this is a lovely opportunity for us to talk about the wines of Greece and the Attica region in particular, and the Papianakos wines. So thank you for the conversation. The, the pleasure is mine. Uh, it's a great pleasure to, to talk about uh, our region, our family, uh, family history, and, and always uh, it's good to, 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 <laughs> to tell to people uh, the story of the region, because as you said, Attica is a historic place because Athens is uh, in the proximity of uh, 25 kilometers. So always our region is, uh, is surrounded by the sea, is like a peninsula, and uh, a lot of things happen in, in ancient times in our region. So it was the main, the main vineyard of uh, the Athenian market for thousands of years. So it's, uh, it's good to to have people here like you that they can spread the good uh, words of, about the history of our region. We'll ask you to tell us more about the history. Your grandfather uh, first started producing wine here around the turn of the century. 
actually my my grandfather was the one that who built the first winery but all my ancestors uh, used to be grape growers like everybody in this region from antiquity because this was always the vineyard of Athens was the backyard of Athens the vineyard of Athens and always supplying uh, from antiquity the, the, the Athenian market and so everyone here was a grape grower my my father grandfather built uh, he he immigrated to United States to Chicago for mm. 10 years and he got more money he got back he bought uh, more vineyards and then he built up the you know the whole f- uh, vineyard and uh, what year did he return from Chicago 1919 and 10 and he had the the vision then of Yes, he was a, he was a grape grower. He was coming from a, f- a big family, but he had a lot of brothers at that time. Uh, Greeks they were having nine uh, to twelve uh, kids each family, so they had to split up the the property. I mean the the vineyards to many kids. All the all the male and also the females they were getting as a part of the land yes part so of the land so over the years the parcels get smaller and yes, smaller yes and smaller and smaller so he he bought some more vineyards to start also uh, growing this uh, was it his vision to make wine uh, or uh, was he still thinking more in terms of uh, vineyard uh, and what just grape production Uh, he started from grape production, but also he he uh, he built the winery. He wanted to vinify himself and then sell the the wine directly to uh, some taverns in Athens. That was the big market uh, for that uh, at that time. And he was he was carrying the wine uh, in 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 barrels actually in wooden barrels with a horse in a carriage. Into Athens. Into Athens, and it was taking almost uh, 24 hours to go with a horse with a carriage because the the road was wow. bad. Was not like today, you know. Of course, uh, thing was more much more wild, you know. <laughs> Fantastic to imagine it. So he yeah. horse and carriage with with some barrels on the back. Yes, and absolutely. He would, and he would stop at the taverns that uh, yeah. that were buying his to product to deliver the wine and come back. Um, What would he have been growing in, at that time? Would it have been Savatiano? Was uh, actually was uh, even for my father who took over in uh, uh, 19, uh, 1950 or somewhere somewhere there, uh, 45 to 50 after the Second World War. Um, yes, uh, uh, even my father was uh, cultivating only Savatiano. Mm, Savatiano and uh, producing uh, resonated wine, the well-known Regina, yes. because our region is uh, used to be it is actually is the birthplace of Regina. Regina was made the original Regina is made with Savatiano in our region, which is called Mesogea. Our region is also the the formal name is Mesogea, that means Gea is the land, uh, like uh, we say geography is the, that word. Uh, Mesogia means the, the the land that which is between two seas. So it's the Saronic Gulf on the one side and the Aegean on the other. So the the middle land, which is between the two seas, and uh, it's famous for the Regina. And the Regina was always uh, and it was invented with, here. With, uh, it was yes, first invented vinified in, here in, in Athens, uh, and uh, is uh, supposed to be with Savatiano. So my my grandfather and my father were producing only Regina. 
when when I convinced my my father when I was a kid, at the age of uh, 16, uh, I asked him not to put uh, resin because we collect the resin from uh, uh, from the um, pine forests of our region, from the pine trees. Mm -hmm. So we we put it in a net and we hug it inside like a tea bag to give the the, to be diluted and give yeah. the, the the aromas and the taste of uh, the pine of a pine forest, like an infusion. Like an infusion. Uh, and uh, when I, I asked him not to put resin in one of the barrels, uh, the wooden barrels of uh, 1,000 liters, it was vinified on those. Um, okay, I, I succeeded. So he said okay, but uh, the name of that wine was without resin. <laughs> It's arecinoto. Arecina? Arecinoto. Uh, that means without uh, yeah, resin. It's yeah. the depriving A. And that was the first time it was made. Uh, Did, yeah. Would the family have collected the resin? Would the would the vintner, the winemaker, would he typically collect the resin himself? Uh, or was there someone uh, who supplied that? At the age of that? my father were also some locals that were focused on doing that in summertime. Then, yeah. And they were producing a lot of uh, resin and, for and the at, wineries. And at that time, when you suggested that they produce a barrel that didn't have any resin in it. W was everybody producing Retsina? Was it would it have been quite rare to produce an unresonated wine here? Yes, it was very unusual to produce uh, wine, white uh, white wine to produce uh, just Savatiano without resin. So it was um, and then next year we did, we made uh, two barrels and. How so did that first barrel turn out? Was it good? It was really good. Your father yes. was but, pleased? But uh, there was no market for that because everyone was expecting... Nobody was interested. Yes, nobody was interested, absolutely. You had to build the yeah. market for unresonated wine. Yeah. And um, yes, this was the, the big challenge for me, actually. Mm. Uh, that's why uh, when uh, I grew up, uh, I found out that uh, uh, Retina was... Uh, connected and communicated uh, to a popular product in Greece, but uh, with a low with a low esteem, I would say. I mean, it was communicated that at that time, Athens and uh, uh, was booming from uh, ur urbanization and people coming from all over Greece uh, from, let's say, from uh, the Second World War, Athens after the war were, was uh, less than a million people was 700,000 people. And then in uh, 20 years, um, specifically the decade of uh, uh, 17 and 80s, it uh, went up to 5 million, which is as it is today, 4 to 5 million. And Retina was a booming in, in, in uh, new housing and buildings, and so it was communicated uh, to working class people, I mean, to the builders, with a it was very much an everyday drink. It was not yes, fancy. Yes, it was, was in, in small bottles when it was, uh, when it was bottled, in mm -hmm. half a liter bottles uh, with a crown, with a metal top. Mm -hmm. And it uh, was cheap. I mean, it was maltreated, I would say. Because the retina my father was uh, making in, in wooden barrels was excellent, was brilliant. And people that were traveling from north of Athens to go to south of Athens because a good taverna had a, an excellent retina.
it was known. Uh, so the places that were selling good retsina had a reputation, but it was a, a small market for the premium stuff. Yes, absolutely. Because at the same time was the the bottled retsina, which was not that good, I would say, because there was also putting some wines that were not so, so good. Because retsina covers uh, has its own uh, characteristics, so it covers sometimes if there is a different bad odor or something in the wine. Um, so it was something for the people, you know, massive uh, for for the market at uh, that time. So the, the high-end market was disregard, disregarded. Because there was partly because there was this fantastic opportunity with yes. this booming population who were drinking Retsina on a daily, you know, as a regular wine. And so... Every, I suppose the winemakers were were catering really to that market. Yes, yes. Uh, but my, my my father was also uh, because it was a most small production family business uh, as it is today. Uh, was targeting the, the 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 good places. I mean, only gastronomic places, tavernas, and some wine shops that they were appreciated the good retina. His, his approach was always to try to hit the premium end of the market. Yes, but uh, was not bottled, uh, was not bottled wine, was uh, you know it was uh, wine in, in small containers in small barrels, barriques. Still for the for the taverna market for. Yes, and uh, taverna owners they were selling the wine as it being uh, they 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 vinified. They were pretending that they vinified. Some of them they were buying also the juice. Mm. The, the grape juice, so they were vinifying, uh, vinifying themselves, and they would sometimes uh, claim that your father's product was their product. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this was the <laughs> the challenge. We're talking about the Savatiano grape, uh, and yeah. you've mentioned a couple of times that it's the uh, traditional grape from this region, uh, and it's a it's a very interesting grape variety. We're getting into the subject of the transition from Retsina making to uh, yeah. um, to uh, non-resonated wine. Um, so Savatiano uh, is historically known for making Retsina, but now it's also being used to make non-resonated wines and is, is having a good reception. Yes, uh, well, uh, Savatiano as a vine uh, is, a, is, a, is a vine that uh, has been growing in, in this region from antiquity, so it's 4,000, 5,000 years. Uh, so it's been very well adapted to to the climatic these climatic conditions, and Attica has a unique terroir, and and this is the actually the the, the subsoil which is limestone. Uh, it is the weather conditions like uh, uh, mild winters, hot and dry summers, uh, lack of rain from May till October. Not at all. Uh, uh, at the same time, because we are by the sea, we get the sea breeze of the Aegean Sea, the strong wind that comes with the sunshine and goes with the sunset called Meltemi. Um, it's uh, also the, the geographies, uh, small cliffs. Uh, we are uh, 80 to 120 meters uh, above sea level. Um, the vines are not irrigated because there's lack, lack of water. I mean, it's not no uh, irrigation. You are not allowed. I mean, uh, have to be more than a half kilometer from one irrigation to the other. And because, as I said before, the, the, um, there was uh, 
split it many times the land and uh, because of the proximity to Athens that is also where close to the sea where uh, let's say the winery now is less than two kilometers from the sea so there is also the seas the seaside and uh, the resort from for the Athenians mm-hmm. so there is also a real estate value on our land right so uh, the land was never reallocated to uh, young producers young grape growers so we have small uh, small pieces of land in different places so there is no point to irrigate you are not allowed also but it's not profitable to irrigate for let's say one tenth of a hectare I get it. Yeah, a very small plot. Very small the infrastructure plots. for irrigation yes, is prohibitive. Yes, absolutely. There's a very distinct climate here, and it, it, this is quite interesting, I think, yes. because the the point is that the Savatiano grape is well suited to this place and this climate. This is low elevation, yes. uh, a relatively hot area, so you don't have uh, the you don't have the benefit of some cooler weather. No, we have a minimum, for instance, a minimum of 320 days of sunshine in our region. Yeah. So well, in summer well. times, we are we are uh, trying to to protect uh, the grapes from the sun from with the canopy and and the leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the same times, we have to get out some uh, uh, some leaves from the side that the wind comes and we are very lucky because because uh, 97% we have uh, north winds so we need this uh, fresh air this sea breeze to cool down the grapes because of the the sunshine on, and the hot weather powerful sun in the, in the it's usually 30 30 33 degrees of uh, celsius uh, in summertime and a long day so we need this uh, fresh air to cool down the grapes, but uh, also the leaves to protect from the sun. So we see in its uh, parcel, in its uh, vineyard, we see how the, the sun goes around and the sun exposure. So we, we protect this side with the leaves and the other side we trying to, to make use of the air to cool down the grapes. So you so leave, a, leave the leaves on to protect on one side or yes. to protect from the sun. But on the other side, you'll maybe uh, de-leaf, you'll, you'll, you'll yes. drop some of the leaves to allow air movement. Absolutely. But all these uh, elements and all these factors, they, they give us a low yield. Mm-hmm. And uh, nowadays we have an average uh, year of the vineyard, which is uh, 55 to 60 years old after the phylloxera uh, were uh, replanted, all the vineyards in the region. Um, so non-irrigated, uh, sunshine, limestone, uh, lack of uh, lack of rain in summer times. We have no infections. We don't we don't use uh, pesticides. We yeah, don't spray. We have molds and mildews don't stand a chance uh, in this. Mildew, for instance, in uh, statistically is one once in uh, 50 years in yeah. our region. You're blessed in that way. Yeah, so we 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 come to very healthy grapes and uh, natural ones. I mean, no interventions, minimum interventions, mild cultivation because you don't need, you don't have uh, infections. So we end up with healthy grapes of um, natural alcohol of uh, 12, 12.5 degrees uh, of alcohol, and we are we are really blessed. I think Attica is a blessed land. And it's not, it's not by accident, I, I would say, that ancient Athenians uh, 
were selected the place they were living and all this uh, old civilization uh, came up with a philosophy with medicine and ever uh, all these uh, things that happened in, in ancient times in, in our region. They selected a region which was uh, healthy and uh, yes and strong uh, if you see, region. If you if you see where where all the ancient cities were built, there are certain uh, things that they were very important. Yes, uh, it was not by accident. One of the things that's evident as you drive in this uh, region is the use of bush vine training. So the the many of the vines are trained uh, in that bush style, not using any trellising. Yes. Uh, what's your philosophy on on the uh, technique? You know, the pruning technique. Uh, do you um, are you using tr- some trellising, or is it are you maintaining the bush vine? Uh, we we maintain the bush vine for Sabatiano because uh, as as uh, that has to do with irrigation uh, and also the winds we have in summertime the the, the winds from the GNC um, when the the this bush vine is is a smaller vine as a tree so it needs uh, less uh, juice inside and less effort to to maintain a so lack of lack, lack of irrigation, we have to to do that, and also to protect from the winds. When you, uh, we we have also planted some other indigenous grapes, but we planted them because we, they are not adapted to these climatic conditions. We we plant them in, in places that we can irrigate. So we put them on on, on wires, we train them uh, because we we can supply more water. And sometimes, uh, but also because uh, there is a strict regulation about the use of water, uh, what we do is uh, we uh, stress we stress a little bit the the vines the first five years to to make them go down the root system because when the the vines find the water on the surface, they they don't go uh, in depth, they don't go down. So they they build they they develop the the root systems on the surface. Uh, that's why I said I, we stress them to go down to find to go through the limestone. And uh, for instance, the Sabatiano vines, uh, the roots they go more than 35, 30, 35 meters deep. Well, tremendous. Yes, uh, that's why and we have on the surface only the small part, which is uh, the bush vine. So there's no much need of water. That that that's why I, I mentioned that. Sabatiano has been very well adapted to these climatic conditions. Well, I don't want to give the impression of a desert and uh, hot weather, but it's compared to the northern Europe and, uh, you know, uh, rain. and So it's, it's hot and dry, but it's not, it's not like uh, uh, in the uh, uh, Middle East or whatever. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. But it is more... It is Def- mo- definitely more a hotter definitely climate. And we have to, so the, the, the wines have to be, uh, the, the grapes have to be, and, and the, the vineyards have to be adapted to this climatic condition, according <laughs> to the microclimatic and the ecosystem. It's one of the very interesting things about Greece is the, the tremendously wide variety of terrain and terroirs, and there's high altitude of winemaking, there's cold climate, cool climate winemaking, there's winemaking on the islands, and, and then in Attica we have this very distinct microclimate. Yes. We have a lot of different terroirs in Greece. Greece is the third more mountainous country in Europe. A lot of mountains, and not, uh, you change a lot of different terroirs from north, 
northern Greece to south of Greece. So um, that's why uh, viticulture and, and, and winemaking is, is an artisanal, uh, is, is a crafted, you know, everything is by hand, small productions, uh, and that, that, that's why I think uh, Greek wine is always is going to be um, a niche market. It's not a big, it's not massive, it's small things, it's a, some, uh, it's, it's a treasure uh, to be discovered with a long, long history behind a myth, a tradition, concentrated knowledge in, in a region, uh, in every region. So there are more than uh, 400 indigenous grapes. So I travel when I go in summer times, so I go to the islands. Um, I always discover new, new uh, varieties, new varietals, uh, local, very local, like Sabatiano is here in Attica. And, and this is important, and a lot of young people now and uh, young uh, producers they uh, they try to uh, to grow and uh, make make them uh, known to to the audience, starting from Greece and, and abroad. The lo a lot of uh, there is a big history about, and uh, it's not going to be a big thing. I mean, it's it's um, artisanal, as I said before. Yeah, with uh, indigenous indigenous grapes, authentic, uh, unique. Um, quite fascinating, because I think there is a renaissance in winemaking with a lot of young winemakers bringing, um, you know, high high levels of education and uh, energy and uh, uh, enthusiasm. This is true. This is true. There there were some uh, key points of uh, changing the the vinification techniques and like in our region. Um, they were harvesting uh, Sabatiano uh, for to make the Regina wine, but they were harvesting always over matured. This was a misconception and it was a bad habit. Um, they so were allowing the grapes to ripen. Yes, they were overripe. They yeah. were overripe. Uh, they because uh, the the um, taverna owners in Athens they were asking for wines to be. 14 higher alcohol levels. higher higher alcohol levels absolutely and so the so they 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 had to 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 keep them you know not to harvest on the right technical maturement they didn't take care they didn't count the um, like we do today um, the pH and, and the acidity they were just looking only for high sugar the, levels the high sugar high and high potential alcohol, alcohol. Yes, po potential alcohol absolutely. interesting so we changed that, and another big revolution in, in Greek wine was the the use of uh, uh, stainless steel tanks uh, having the ability to have cooling jackets. Because we harvest, we start harvesting uh, beginning of August, which is hot, it's summer. And uh, the uh, fermentation was taking, uh, was going up to, you know, 35, 40 degrees Celsius. Um, now we supply cold water. We have refrigerators. Also, we're cooling down the grapes, and then uh, for 24 hours, we put the, the plastic craters with uh, the grapes in the fridge for 24 hours. So we do the skin contact uh, maceration, um, and then we we use uh, during the fermentation we use these tanks with the temperature control 
So the fermentation takes place at uh, between 16 and 17 degrees Celsius. Is this the Savatiano particularly that you're talking about? No, no, all over Greece that happened, in, uh, specifically in south of Greece and uh, the islands. Uh, because we, when you ferment the, the wines and, uh, between, let's say, 16 and 18 degrees Celsius, you retain the, the um, aromatic profile of, of the grape variety and also the natural CO2. Uh, when you go like my father was going around to 30 degrees Celsius, was losing the, the aromas, also was overripe when they were harvesting, and they were also losing the acidity because of that, and also no CO2, natural CO2. So it changed the, the, the profile. I mean, all this treasure came up because of the, the right movements, the right vinification, and the right uh, time of harvesting. Small things, but very important. They change the the profile of uh, definitely in our region because there was no ability. I mean, they were using uh, my my father was using uh, wooden barrels uh, on on the underground and also some uh, cement uh, tanks uh, just to get the the temperature of the earth. But uh, was still was high. It was over 25 degrees Celsius. It was 28, 30. So now we control absolutely. We have uh, automatic systems. We control it, and we see we say that that tank has to be fermented at 15 degrees, and that's it. Yeah, you, you control the uh, the and characteristics of the fermentation, yes. yeah. uh, and you can uh, maintain some of the CO2 so the wine doesn't become oxidated. Um, but you mentioned skin contact, uh, and I was interested yeah. to hear more about that. You're, is skin contact important with uh, with the Savatiano grape? Yes, all of our grapes. We, uh, as a winery, uh, as a domain, we we produce. Uh, we have uh, Savatiano is our main grape, but also I have planted uh, Malaguzia uh, and Assyrtico. So I work with three indigenous grapes, and uh, also I have planted some reds, the the Aiorgitico. Um, and also some international grapes, like um, I have uh, some vineyards with uh, Merlot and uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And um, I produce some, let's say, less than 10,000 bottles of each of them. And um, yeah, this is the, the grapes we have planted. The... Um the, the skin contact is interesting because, uh, you know, in many... Uh, we, we, we apply the skin contact on, on whites. I mean, we, we harvest early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is by hand. And we, we put the grapes in plastic 20, 20 kilos uh, containers. And we put them directly to the fridge. And that uh, breaks, makes some cracks on, on, on the skin of, uh, because of the sudden drop of uh, temperature some cracks on, uh, on on the skin of the grape of the berries and that gives uh, releases releases more aromatic esters it's fascinating it's fascinating yeah, and because in many cases with white wine making you press the juice off the skins right away to minimize you know with chardonnay with the sauvignon blanc with many varieties you tend to minimize the skin contact and get the juice off right away but because of the varieties you're working with and the characteristics you're looking for you prefer to have some of that skin contact and yeah, for us, it, I think it's good. Gives more aromatic. Uh, sub, I mean, a Sabatiano is not an aromatic grapes. Okay. It belongs to non-aromatics like the Acetico. 
Malagusia is an aromatic or semi-aromatic grapes, grape. Um, and uh, but we use that method, and then the next day we distem, we get only the berries, and uh, we we press and we get uh, from the from the pressure we get only the free run. And uh, this also then uh, is fermented in uh, in uh, low temperatures. So All of your fermentation because, because of the heat of the region. I mean, uh, when we harvest August and September is quite hot here. Mm -hmm. uh, we think that. Uh, uh, using all these uh, methods, skin contact and the refrigerator, and then cold uh, fermenting in low temperature, it gives the wine a, a very fresh uh, profile and uh, aromatic, fruity. Um, so Sabatiano is is getting, I think, is much better with that procedure. Are all of the white fermentations in stainless steel, or are there some fermentations in, in uh, barrel? We, we ferment a Savatiano, we call it Varelli. Varelli is the Greek word for barrel. Uh, so we, we ferment in barrel uh, the Savatiano and then we, we keep it there, we leave it there for five months. So we have a, a wine that is barrel aged, a skin contact barrel aged, fermenting in uh, new French oak every year. Okay, so there's, a, there's some oak characteristic to that wine. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We've touched on a, a number of the most important varieties that are grown in Greece, some of the main ones. Um, aside from the Savatiano, we've talked about Malagusia, Asurtico, Agaritico, a red. Um, maybe we should start with the whites. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on those varieties and you know, uh, you know the characteristics of those varieties, their importance in Greek winemaking. Um, just to uh, hear your thoughts. Well, it's, uh, I believe strongly I'm a big supporter of indigenous grapes, and I think the, the international market looks for uh, indigenous grapes. Uh, so each, each of those grapes ha had, have an organoleptic profile that people like. It. Like Sabatiano, for instance, is more fruity, um, white flesh fruits on the nose, um, balanced acidity, long aftertaste, long aftertaste full-bodied, so it's a food-friendly wine. And this is the profile that people love it because it goes very well with uh, the modern cuisine, the food, and um, also in Greece, but abroad. I'm really amazed by how people love, like it in, in other countries. And you're, you're seeking that fresh style of Savatiano. Fresh style is, is great with salads, with uh, fish, uh, but uh, when we talk about Malaguzia, it's a floral, it's, it's semi-aromatic or aromatic uh, wine that gives more pitchy notes, uh, um, flo flowers, uh, it's, it's different. So it's, it's uh, very good with different type of food, would say with uh, pasta, white, white sauces, uh, also you can have it with fruits. Uh, it's, it's excellent. It's different profile. So what 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 we do is um, to to present our wines to the international audience and people they they connect the wines. They say ah th this is reminds me of Viognier. This is that one reminds me a Chardonnay or but has its own characteristics. And I'm I'm actually I believe strongly on uh, single varietals. I don't I don't make any blends. Oh, that's interesting because uh, yeah. Malagusia, for example, is often blended uh, sometimes with a certico, 
Uh, my, my, my opinion is that uh, each wine has to have to stick to its own organoleptic profile, uh, given that is um, is planted in a certain region. So is the terroir for me is the triangle, which is the terroir. I mean the the terroir of the region, the conditions and the soil and what we mentioned before, the grape variety its own the characteristics that it gives. Uh, and also the winemaker, because the winemaker is the one who gets the uh, and the grape grower, of course. Is the, we are the one, the ones that we we get the decision how much canopy, the pruning, all this, uh, whenever when to harvest, and then how to vinify. I mean, how many hours of skin contact, uh, how the press, uh, how much pressure, all these small things, but. Uh, to be honest, I, I believe that 95% uh, of a wine is is, is born in, in the vineyard. That's why I said I'm, I mentioned the Attica being a blessed land because we we end up always with healthy grapes with no intervention. And then, if you take the, the a, a, a protocol, I mean, if you have be you are careful about the hygiene and everything in the winery and the right steps uh, and uh, light pressure, like for instance. And then you you end up with great wines that reflect the place. Sirtico, does it will do well here in this climate? Yes, it's uh, it's really excellent. I mean, it reminds a lot the Sirtico of uh, of Santorini, which is uh, the most well known. Is actually Sirtico originates from the island of uh, Santorini, but um, uh, we are close to Santorini. We are, I mean, we are just in front of our region is uh, of Athens. Uh, is the the cyclades in, in, in the Aegean, but uh, Assyrtico, of course, uh, of Santorini comes from a volcanic uh, volcanic soil, but here limestone and and uh, the dry farming we we apply is uh, is giving a strong mineral character that reminds a lot the the Assyrtico of Santorini. So we are very happy that we have a less acid, I would say, with lower acidity. Uh, but uh, full-bodied, uh, mineral, fine wine. Assyrtico does make very nice wines. And, and one of the nice things about Assyrtico and Santorini is I think it's bringing some attention to the Greek uh, wine market because there's this sort of emblematic, you know, Assyrtico from Santorini is, yes. is helping uh, to I would say attention. that Assyrtico is, uh, is uh, currently... Is, uh, is the most well-known wine abroad. is a is a wine that uh, um, uh, has a strong appeal to the wine critics. Uh, gastronomy is a is a wine with a. It's trending, yeah, as they say. Yeah. It's trending currently, which is which is I think good. I mean, it, yeah. we don't want to take things away from the other varieties. Greece has yes. so many great varieties. Has so many grapes. Greece has so many different varietals, and it's it's of those has a, a unique character and authentic and authenticity like Savatiano. And uh, but Assyrtico was uh, because of the magic island of Santorini also the uh, people have have a very good uh, memories and connotation and you know is a beautiful island. The wine is excellent so it's the one of the most well known. But also uh, the other varietals comes from Crete from Attica uh, from the other islands. So the last 10 years, I would say, 
because of the crisis in, in, in Greece, because uh, even today 90% of the wines that are produced in Greece are consumed in Greece. So only 10% is exported. But the last 10 years there is a strong um, uh, trend on exporting wines, presenting the wines to international markets uh, by uh, sending the wines to international contests, uh, going to um, uh, wine fairs, uh, we present the wines in international level, at international level. And uh, there is a lot of, uh, all the Greek winemakers, they, they see the pressure on the Greek market, so they become, they became more extroverted. And, and this um, brings the Greek wine to another level. So the difficulties in the economy over the last uh, five or ten yes, years yes, so has, has, has caused the Greek winemakers to push more for the export market. Absolutely. And they're finding success? They, pay, they paid a lot of efforts and uh, they, they, they made a lot of efforts. Uh, and there is a great success. I think there is a momentum, a positive thing for Greek wine because people uh, find something new for them, but very old. Uh, because was the ancient Greece that ancient Greeks that they made the 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 art of winemaking, so it's it's good for for uh, consumers nowadays to discover this long history myth, uh, authenticity, uniqueness of indigenous grapes. It's a wonderful story that you know the deep deep history, but a group of young modern winemakers who are using all of the technology and all of the knowledge that's available and, yes. and reintroducing Greek wines to the world. So yes, there is a, um, a heavy investment in, 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 wine ma- in wineries, I mean, in terms of uh, stainless steel tanks and all this uh, new technology and, uh, techno- and winemaking methods, but also with respect to the uh, tradition and the old, the old techniques, the ones that we inherited from our fathers and grandfathers. So we like the training of the vines, for example. Yes, and, uh, everything, everything in in viticulture uh, goes according to the the, the old tradition what's and what's uh, been learned over thousands yes, of years. Yes, yes, yeah. We have to to take it into account. Wouldn't mind turning back to the Savicciano one more time um, because we didn't get a chance to talk about the difference between young Savicciano vines and old vines, and I think there's a story there about the importance of of old vines um, and the characteristic yes. that that brings? Um, most of the vines on our vineyard is, are old vines and uh, low yield, uh, concentrated juice. Uh, so um, Sabatiano shows that uh, has a tremendous uh, capability of uh, and potential of aging in the bottle. Uh, so uh, we keep the current vintage, uh, we have some late releases, we keep it for five years, four years, and then we release it. And because of, uh, as I said, the root system goes so deep, I believe, and uh, all these uh, unique characteristics of our terroir, they, they give the, the possibility to, to evolve in the bottle without being in a barrel. Uh, so if you keep bottles of uh, the current vintage and taste it after five years, you you discover the secondary uh, aromas that mm. the, 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 that uh, are the uh, more earthy ones, uh, 
like uh, nuts, uh, uh, mineral notes, stone, and this they are unique, unique, uh, unique taste. It's a very compelling story. How are you finding the international markets for your own wines from Papa Yanakos? Uh, the U.S. and Canada, particularly, are finding some yes, success. Yes, we, we are. Yes, we are. Um, uh, I think Canada and specifically Quebec is one of the uh, one of our main markets. Our Savatiano is being the last five years is doing really well. People love it. Uh, we get a lot of uh, feedback. Uh, like uh, sunshine in your glass. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, people love the connections, uh, the connection with the ancient Athens because we are actually the wines of Athens. We have also an association called the Wines of Athens, and we put it on also on the label. Um, yes, the international market for a winery. We we started um, early. Uh, before, I mean, never paid much, a lot of attention to the Greek market. Always we were extroverted. This, this was my philosophy. So nowadays we, we export to 18 countries in gastronomic places with excellent importers that they focus only on the good wine. Uh, they can appreciate uh, our philosophy and the quality of our wines. Because at the end, I think the the average consumer um, uh, judges the wine uh, in, with their happiness. I mean, you have a, a glass of wine, if you enjoy it and you love it, this is it. I mean, it's not complicated to, to give all the fish techniques and, uh, you know, blah, 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 read a lot of things. This is for the wine critics, for the wine geeks, uh, but for uh, the average palate, um, uh, the wine has to be, has to bring happiness, smile, and and um, you know you, you you feel that you like it. You know it's you ref it reflects as the ancients, uh, ancient Greeks used to say. It's a uh, is a uh, the wine that uh, pleases pleases the heart and the soul. And that's why Greek w uh, the, the wine in Greece uh, has a lot of uh, strong symbolism in our civilization. It's part of our nutrition, for instance. Uh, um, there is no alcoholism in Greece, although uh, we we give the wine to young to, to, to the children. Sometimes they taste it, but always in moderation. Uh, so it's not something we we hide it. It's everywhere. Wine is every, everywhere in our. Our homes. It's completely intertwined Free. in the culture. Yes, it's, it's in the culture, actually, yes. And, and there's a lot, lot of symbolism in our uh, civilization, in our grief, our joy, our uh, religion. Everywhere is the wine. And uh, this, yes, is, we, we say that uh, is our now DNA nowadays. I mean, it's, it's part of our life. And uh, we are very happy when we see when I travel abroad, uh, for instance, to Canada, where I go once or twice in a year, and I see people having the wine and being happy, they want to meet the producer, to listen to the history, to present them all the, the family concept and uh, our viticulture concept. And, and they love it, and we are happy. I mean, this is the most important thing of our job, to get the feedback from the people and 
uh, when I wake up in the morning, go to the vineyards and I see the I see the grapes and I see the vineyards and uh, I'm thinking of how many people they drink in my wines in different countries, in Northern Europe, in Australia or in Japan, Canada, United States. And we get a lot of uh, mails and a lot of uh, positive uh, people. They like it through the social media and uh, we are so, um, you know, I feel really blessed and uh, having people making <laughs> making people happy in other countries i think you should be proud of being one of the leaders in in bringing greek wines to the export market i, I think that's well, to be commended. there is uh, it's not only me it's um, there are uh, hundred wineries that they work hard and together uh, from different uh, places of greece all over greece excellent winemakers that uh, we work together and we present the wine to uh, to new countries, uh, people, uh, places, and uh, like in Canada and United States. I've enjoyed tremendously uh, visiting with you here in your winery, sitting here in, 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 in this beautiful facility. I, I'd like to mention the, um, the design. On the show notes for the podcast, there'll be some pictures of the winery, and um, this winery was designed uh, to be environmentally sustainable. Yes, yes. This is it saves 25% of energy in an, in a natural way, natural lighting, natural ventilation. It makes use of of the wind and the sunshine. It's a very striking looking building and also very functional. Yeah. One of the Thank nice you. things about this winery for those who happen to be traveling into Athens is it's very close to the airport. Yes, we are actually 15 minutes. The first time I came from was, the be- airport. was because I was passing through. Uh, and, and had a, a lot of people come from all over the world, and we are really happy because we uh, we exchange our thoughts, and uh, they, they appreciate good wine. And this is actually, some people, they, they ask me why I, I planted uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. And um, I, fi- I found out the, the last 10 years when the new winery was built, the one we are now, the new facility. Um, when people, they taste our Savatiano, our Malaguzia, uh, our Assyrtico, for instance, our Agiorgitico, uh, they, they, they are happy because they, they see that it's a good wine, well made, they like it, but they have no point of reference. So when, uh, uh, when they taste our Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, so automatically they have a point of reference. Yeah, they, they, go, point. Uh, they can judge the wine. They can mm-hmm. uh, judge you as, as a winemaker. Mm-hmm. If, if you have a good Merlot or a good Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, they can, you know... Puts uh, it in context, doesn't put it? Put in context uh, with the indigenous grapes. Because okay. then, then if they... It's fascinating. They have to taste a lot of acerticos or a lot of Savatianos to find out if I'm, I'm a good producer or not. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but... Uh, it helps me a lot too. There's so many things we haven't talked about, um, but I'm aware that I'm taking up quite a bit of your time. So, uh, is there anything we've missed that you'd like to speak about? Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy uh, talking about uh, uh, our my region, my family history, my family's history, and uh, and Greek wine in in general. Uh, terroir for me is the most important thing. That's why I believe also to single varietals. And uh, yes, we talked also about the um, uh, possibilities and most of the Greek wines, they have a tremendous possibility of aging in the bottle. I'm talking about the white white, uh, white grapes. 
And also we, we talked a little bit about the international markets. And um, what I think is uh, on, on that is uh, because a lot of people, uh, they get a lot of education about wine all over the world. There is a, a tremendous uh, interest in, in uh, getting a lot of uh, information and uh, like sommeliers, uh, a lot of schools like WSET and a lot of people study and educate on, on wine. This is very important for Greek wine because Greek wine can uh, show to those people that the, the standard of quality and uh, the purity and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it starts from them that they know to, to rate the wines and then we, we go the, to the average palate to the consumer, which for me is very important because sometimes... But you need those ambassadors, is, I think. There are, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's we we need point. some ambassadors. Uh, some people to explain uh, all those things, but for me it's the average palette, the people that uh, is uh, now, you know, the modern way of living, uh, people they go to their jobs, they, they go back home late and uh, they are always in a rush. Uh, and then they want to enjoy when they go home and they want to have a, a glass of wine. So this has to do with the personal taste and uh, a relaxation. You have to relax and you have to enjoy your wine. You don't. You cannot at that time open your iPad or whatever your computer to get to know all the information. And you know, just you need a glass of wine, and that wine has to be good. And if you like it, that's great. Your passion and your love for wine really comes out in the conversation. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking with you. I'm looking forward to and seeing you again. Looking forward to see you and uh, talk more and to come over to Canada because I, I love Canada and go every year, the last 10 years. Yeah, we need to find a way to get your wines into BC. Would be great. Would be great. Thanks, Vasilis. Thank you very much, Greg. That was Vasilis Papianakos from the Papianakos Winery in the Attica region of Greece. If you don't know how to spell Papianakos, well, that's not surprising and never fear. Um, there's more information on our website, www.winebeatpod.com, on the show notes, and there's a link to the Papianakos website. You'll be able to learn more there. There's also a, a short piece in a, in a related podcast. Go looking for the, um, the, the sort of the podcast that we're doing on uh, Greece generally. And Vasilis himself talks about Greek names, wine names, uh, family names, Greek names for words generally and how complicated they are. In kind of humorous terms, you, you'll hear him talking about that. That's Greece. But that's maybe a little bit about what makes it so fascinating. What also makes it fascinating, and what coincides with this podcast, I think, in a very cool way, is that Vasily's career as a winemaker kind of spans that period from when Greek wine was, you might say, about Retsina, at least that's what, you know, sort of the conventional knowledge, to where we are today, which is Greece being about fine wines from very unique regions. These microclimates, these individual terroirs spread across this, you know, quite varied country. Greece is now more about fine wine. There's a lot to be discovered. I've done a few podcasts recently you'll see that on the website and, and I hope you listen to them there's quite a bit of content on Greece because I'm fascinated by it and I think it's just such an undiscovered area this is the really neat part like 
you know, everybody knows about Spain and Italy and France and so on and so on. Greece is basically undiscovered, and it's undiscovered in a magnificent way because the wines here are unique from varieties that are ancient and noble, and the wines are really, really good in many, many cases. And in many cases, pretty decent prices, and that's what we're looking for. So get out there and try the Greek wines. Um, again, www.wine.winebeatpod.com is the website. Um, go and check out other our other uh, uh, podcasts, the show notes for this episode, and everything else that we've got there for content. Look forward to talking to you next time. This is Craig for The Wine Beat. Talk to you soon. Bye. Αρχίζει το κουτσοβολιό